Although, I still love the Atari 2600. That Pac-Man and Raiders of the Lost Ark game, man. Wow. Hmm. There's a great... It's all about um, Aladdin from the Super Nintendo. Oh, yeah, way beyond my time. Welcome to the 99 Podcast. This is a podcast dedicated to the 99-seat community. I'm Matt Ritchie. And I'm Benjamin Schwartz, and today we'll be looking into I Am A Theater Company's show, A Kid Like Jake, which is now playing at the Pasadena Playhouse. Uh, not the main stage, the little small theater. It's actually called the Cary Hamilton Theater. Uh, how many does it seat? Around 50? Yeah, that sounds about, sounds about right. They did, a, they did a really nice kind of uh, three-sided venture this time around. I've, I've seen it, you know, arranged in many different ways. It's, it's a great black box space for that. Uh, but they did a really nice kind of thrust thing. Uh, the play itself is um, written by Daniel Pearl, and it's about a um, couple in New York City, and we're, we're thinking early 2000s, I'm thinking, yeah. I, I got the impression that it was current. Ah, well, okay. But it is, it is undisclosed. There's no pop culture references going on throughout the play. So it, it leaves it up to interpretation of when this is actually take place. But it's somewhere within the last it's pretty recent. 10, yeah. 15 years or so. I think within I think the reason I, I brought it up was that um, they were saying that this has been produced before, but it's being produced again now because it's so topical and so I'm looking and seeing that the the uh-huh. initially it was produced uh, in Lincoln Center in 2013 so it is definitely within you know the last several years mm-hmm. um, so it's a, a couple in New York City who are trying to get their five-year-old son into one of the the, the top uh, schools in the city, because if you know anything about New York schools, you always want to try to get your kids into like you know the the, the upper echelon of, uh, of schools. And their problem, of course, is that they they need um, they're working scholarship. With, they're working with uh, a coach who they're working on applications mm-hmm. with, and this coach um, who is wonderfully played by Sharon Lawrence, um, she. Uh, was fantastic in this, and uh, in in this coach is guiding them on how to uh, tips and tricks on how to curate their application to uh, up their chances of getting in, just like you would with uh, college or, or anything else. Now the real conflict, I guess, the moral conflict comes into play with the angle in which Judy Sharon Lawrence's character. Uh, wants to take with the application yeah see the uh the parents are uh you're you're kind of stereotypical white collar the dad is a therapist psychotherapist and the mom used to be a lawyer but uh is 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 now a stay-at-home mom and uh, they're talking with sharon who used to be their son jake's teacher um and and friend of the family and now that Jake is, has moved on, they're talking to uh, to the teacher one day, and uh, and the teacher says, "Well, you know, one of the things you really ought to mention in your application is his 
his kind of gender fluidity, how he he really likes to to dress up like princesses, and um, you know how how he's really open to all of these things, which is a complete shock to the mother, who takes it in and really starts to think about and process these things, which leads to uh, the ultimate point of the the show is the discussion between these really three people, the, uh, the, the, the teacher and the, the parents, about how much to talk about this issue and how does it affect the son. Uh, it looked fantastic. I think we're, we're, uh, we usually go in talking about you know, set and, and, and design. Right away, this was a fantastic design. I love what they did. They, they marked off, even though you even had some you know, chairs on the floor, um, they marked off the space incredibly well uh, by doing what looked like a looks kind of like a wooden floor uh, and a space that against the wall had some bookshelves and some tables and couches, which the different areas then stood for being at the family home and then being at school, speaking with Judy, the teacher, uh, and being at even the doctor's office a number of times. I think it worked very, very well. Every time the lights changed, I did get the sense that they were somewhere else, and I think that they did an excellent, excellent job uh, with the uh, with the scenic design by Deanne uh, Millay. You mentioned uh, right from the get-go that it, it reminded you of a, a child therapy office, something going on, which definitely ties into the theme, you know, um, does this boy need therapy it was cozy in there mm-hmm. and uh intimate and uh i really liked how the director used the the space from all the different angles i felt like there wasn't a bad seat in that house i agree and uh all the acting performances right from top to bottom were just great absolutely are um, uh, the, we thought uh, un, the understudy for uh, mm-hmm. one of the the nurse character, mm-hmm. and uh, I even mentioned that she was one of my favorites. I yep. felt like she was very present and confident. Um, but everybody here has TV and Broadway credits, and all a bunch of really seasoned actors. So you can't go wrong with the uh, talent that they have involved here. Mm-hmm. Now. Um, I mentioned that I walked out of this play uh, liking it and feeling attached to the material. I thought it was trying to say a lot of things. It was interesting. Um, I felt like once we got to the third act, it started to... uh, I started to disengage a little bit once Mm -hmm. we got into the third act. Now, why, why, why is that? I think it's. I think it's safe to say. You know, if we haven't really put it across, this really winds up being about the mother having real problems with the father and former teacher. The father and former teacher think that it should really be discussed, and they should really put a little more time and effort in speaking with Jake about his desire to dress up in in girls' clothes and and be a girl and all of these kind of gender things. And mom thinks, nope, this is just a phase. We're not going to talk about it. 
and this doesn't mean he's going to grow up and, and be transgendered or trans this or trans whatever. We're just going to ignore it. This is completely normal. Even though we start hearing that he's beginning to get bullied and there are all of these things that we're hearing about Jake, who in very intelligently does not appear in the show. Uh, he is always this other person that they're just speaking about. Um, we hear all of the things that Jake seems to be going through, and then it's the mother's point of view of this is just a phase, this is what's happening, and it is the father and teacher's point of view that, no, that's not true. We are ignoring some major, major signs, and he's in turmoil, and we are doing nothing about it. Um, and I believe the the point of the show would be that's the conversation, you know, and it did feel to me like there was a point of view that the playwright had that felt from the very beginning that the point of view of the mom is wrong. And we are supposed to know that from the top. Now, I freely admit that it could just be I'm so set in my ways and in my opinion that from the beginning, I just knew that the mom was wrong, according to my beliefs, and that that's it. Uh, but I'm still always open, especially when you're telling me a story, to at least look at different sides to things if I'm being told to do that, right? Right. I guess, for me, from the beginning, even though, yes, since we know the outcome and and the way that the kid really is, presumably, you know, um, we see the mom is wrong looking back on the play. But in the beginning, it felt like the character Judy, the, at the coach, was being a little manipulative with her angle, thus causing me to side a little bit with Alex, the mother, on the way that she was feeling because she wasn't really there yet with um, believing that her son had these tendencies. Well, it's interesting you say that because I hadn't thought of it quite that way. I could see how maybe you could see the teachers being a little manipulative by at the very beginning saying, oh, well, have you not talked about his tendencies to do this that's really hip and it might get him in with the that's, uh, what, it, that's what it is with it's the really kind of hip. yeah it's it, yeah well and, and the whole point is she brings it up because she thinks they should put it into their article or excuse me she thinks they should put it into their essay uh to talk about how he's exp you know exploring these things because these upper echelon schools are all very liberal and they'll be delighted to hear about that and it might be a, a way in, which is a cheap shot. But at the same time, one could look at that and say, look, this is how the kid acts. And if you are that desperate to get into this thing and you're willing to do any whatever it takes, adding that into your letter rather than trying to pay somebody off, is a way to do that. I mean, they were they were looking for the surefire way to get into these schools. So I do understand where you're where you're coming from. There. Right. So 
the playwright in my mind set this up as the moral conflict that we as the audience have to side with uh, wait, and I'm... right from the too early on do we realize that we don't have that the the who we have to side with is so easy and so apparent well so i'm so i'm to so go back just so i can understand that you're saying that the playwright set up what as kind of the, the moral moral issue the moral quandary in the beginning that the playwright sets up mm. is should they use this information for the application because the mother doesn't feel like this is actually the tendencies of the character. But yet, as we progress through the play and understand that she's just totally in denial and everyone keeps on telling her that she's wrong and we know that she's wrong, it there's the, the, the morality of it is gone. Well, and I think what you just said is interesting because... You know? Because saying, you know, the characters think she's wrong and we know she's wrong. And I think that's where my problem came in. Because I don't think for a moment, you know, we're, I, I get how the, the, the character the, of the mom is immediately, well, I didn't notice this and, and he's just going through a phase and whatever it is that's going on in her head, we never see any kind of, you know, bigotry or anything going on other than she doesn't want to talk about it and she doesn't want to, you know, send the kid to therapy or have him discuss these things because as far as she's concerned, this is just a phase. It doesn't mean he's going to grow up and, and, and need, you know, do sex reassignment or anything. It's, he's five. It's just a phase. It's going to pass. It's not a big deal. And I understand how at the beginning it was about putting it in the application, but I feel like that was just kind of a segue, the to, segue get to get into that. Mm -hmm. And then from that point on, multiple times we find out he's being bullied. He is uh, acting out. The mom refuses to let him go as uh, Elsa for Halloween and demands that he either go as a pirate or a skeleton. Um, you know, he's being more angry and withdrawn and he's drawing these violent pictures and she and the mother just keeps saying nope it's just a phase it's just a phase he's just going through a phase where the teacher and the husband are saying no you need to pay attention to him he's clearly going through something and the mother just keeps staying in denial now while she is in denial we've the playwright has set up that oh she's officially pregnant again so somewhere in there there's going to be oh, okay well she's emotional which immediately pisses me off because now there's an you're building in an excuse for your lead female to be acting a certain way because if the majority of the audience is seeing this as the child is in trouble and the mother is in denial and not doing anything about it i don't like the character of the mother because even if she's supposed to be the main character who's going to change in some way, I just don't like her. And I don't want to follow her story. And there's nothing that she's saying that is making enough sense to me to think, huh, well, okay, maybe I see her point. Therefore, this feels like it feels very one-sided to me. Now, fully recognizing, by the way, that I have strong opinions about this 
And there could be, and I'm sure there are, people who would completely be on the mother's side in this situation. But the role of the play, I feel, is to make the person who feels strongly about one side understand the other side. Uh, no matter what's happening. I feel like that's the point, is that something like this needs to be left as, well, what do you think to discuss afterwards? And I didn't feel that that's what this play was at all. I thought it was clear from the beginning that mom is wrong, and there's not a single scene in here that where her arguments hold water at all. Not only hold water, but we don't see the motivation or the goal really, for why she holds on to these beliefs so heartily. Yeah. If we saw a genuine reason of, no, she holds on to these beliefs because X or Y, mm -hmm. and it made sense for us to go, ah, oh, okay, then therein lies that, you know, conflicting goals of both sides. But because it's missing that 100% completely, we very quickly lose interest what I really like about um, this play that it does is just bring up the conversation of this theme. I do think that we need more plays that try to tackle these issues, talking about cis couples that are dealing with seeing these tendencies out of their kids and not choosing to ignore them and deal with them in the right way. It helps the people that have no perspective on this whatsoever work these things out in their head and get closer to, I guess, what the, you know, this character is trying to do, which is become woke, if you will. I guess. And that, that's, and that's what, <laughs> I, I, I guess that was kind of my issue as well, is, is, is that what this play is about? Is, is this play about a woman who... It's saying pay attention to your kids and let them explore and do whatever they want yeah it is you know don't hinder them from something don't hinder them from exploring their gender yeah that's really what this play is saying i think that that is what the play is saying it's not asking a question and oh I, yeah and correct. i think and i think that that is probably where my issue is you're absolutely right that is what the play is saying it's not asking whether this is a good idea or whether we should do this or what. It's not leaving us with the question to ponder or discuss once we leave the theater. It it's, doesn't leave anything for you to work out on your own morality or to right. challenge you right. whatsoever. You either like the decisions or you don't like this. You're on somebody's side or you're on somebody else's side. It's very cut and dry. Yeah. Um, and... Listen, there's nothing wrong with that if you've got a point of view about something and you, that's just the way things are going to be. For someone, this could feel really powerful because they, their mother didn't you know, see these signs or their father or family members or um, you know, disowned them for their decisions. And this could really, really resonate with someone and, and feel powerful to them. For us... I mean, it it was fine. I I enjoyed the play. I think all the acting was was great. And uh, listen, if there's one thing, if there's one barometer that I always use, if I am emotionally affected, they've done a good job. 
And I was very emotionally affected by this, whether I was, you know, righteously furious or whether I, I, I was connected to and feeling feelings about what was going on. So it was a very successful play and production on, on that level. It did all of the things that I think did most of the things that I think theater should really do, which is, you know, I, it got strong performances. It was very well written. Um, it was very well produced. Um, great, very good acting. Uh, and I, uh, there were arguments where I was very wrapped up in what was going on and I was angry along with people and I was sorrowful with people, but it was all, it all felt one-sided to me. Yeah. I think, uh, I am a theater company does a very solid job producing and putting on this show in co-production with Pasadena Playhouse, uh, well-directed everything and, uh, you know, I would uh, definitely recommend it if the content sounds like something that would appeal to you, like a, a story that you'd like to get soaked up in for the evening. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, I would definitely call it worth seeing. And uh, let's see. I, well, I don't know if we have anything else uh, on the agenda over here as far as what else is coming up or what are we doing but what it, well what do you do let's let's watch McCallit for a second we haven't done that for what what do you have anything uh, going on have you been writing anything recently ben nope <laughs> <laughs> i've been playing a lot of borderlands 3 that's been matt just took a drink when i said nope so he almost spit it out and he's holding it back right now i'm fine <laughs> <laughs> he looks good. He's a little red. Um, well, I know that you got Romeo and Juliet coming up real soon. I do. I have uh, I have two plays, actually. I have a play called The Lost and Found, which is going to be at the Rays of the Space Festival, which is a, uh international short play festival and is going to be um, at the Mark Taper Auditorium, actually. In, uh, it's the, not the Mark Taper Forum. No, no, no. The Auditorium at the uh, Burbank Library. Uh, so that's coming up October 20th. And, it's uh, just like the Mark Taper Forum, though. It's exactly yes. like the Mark Taper Forum. Uh, so I'm, I'm definitely putting that on the old resume, Mark Taper. Um, mm -hmm. And then, yes, Romeo and Juliet in Hell um, is coming along incredibly, incredibly well. I have a fantastic cast. Uh, I've got a great crew team. We were just uh, talking with uh, on a production meeting yesterday about... Um, set design and I think it's going to be an awful lot of fun. The last time I did this it was all just black box and we're getting a chance to do some stuff that I wanted to do last time and I'm pretty excited. I was just thinking if, if I wrote a play that was one word mm. and the next time that I'm at the Mark Taper Forum mm. if I just run on stage and say that one word can I put on my resume that I had my I performed my play at the Mark Taper Forum, or say I did. You know what that reminds me of. In answer to your question that I was thinking about today, mm -hmm. um, you know Michael Donovan, no nope. casting director. No, nope. he was telling this story once about an actress that came in to audition for something, and he looked at her resume and it said that she was in Cats, and he said, "Oh." You were in Cats. Who did you play in, in, in Cats? And she said, I played the white cat. And he says, huh, 
Interesting, because I cast uh, this production of Cats, and I actually don't remember you being in it at all. And she just said, whoops, and walked out of the room. <laughs> so I think, yes, you totally could put on your resume that you performed a show at the Mark Tabor if you just went up and did your one-person play. But I think maybe depending on who you would run into later, I don't know about backing that up. This has been a review of uh, A Kid Like Jake um, from I Am A Theater Company um, uh, with a co-production with the Pasadena Playhouse. It's currently playing at the Pasadena Playhouse in their second space, the Carrie Hamilton Theater, right upstairs. And uh, I would say go check this out. Yeah, and uh, again, thanks for joining us on the 99 Podcast. I'm Benjamin Schwartz. And I'm Matt Ritchie, and we will talk to you next time.